Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. It's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. All right, we are rolling along here. We bring on uh, Jordan Radon, the Giants uh, ESPN uh, reporter. Jordan, uh, welcome in here. And it all, we're talking about this game and the, the Giants versus the Vikings. I, I don't know what your feeling is on it. You know, looking from the Giants' perspective, I, I, I don't think this could have worked out much better as far as, you know, if you're going to go on the road, you might, you might as well go onto the road to the team you probably should have beat a few weeks ago and a team that yep. essentially only plays one-score games as you get ready for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. This is the matchup. If you, you had the option, you don't want to go to San Francisco, right? But going in and playing that defense would have been a tough game. And that, that I mean, they won 10 in a row. Who wants to go play them right now? Uh, certainly, that was not the Giants. And uh, Minnesota, I, first of all, even before they've kind of started to hemorrhage here the last few weeks, I don't, and I'm, I'm going to assume you're in this same group as me and everybody else. Like, Nobody was a believer in the Vikings anyway. Right. We all thought they were a fraud, right? Like, ah, oh, they're winning, but they're really not that good anyway. And then on top of that, they started to get banged up. Their offensive line is in bad shape now coming into this week. So, yeah, that has, that was, this was a no-brainer matchup that the Giants wanted. Doesn't mean they're the better team, but it gives them a better chance, I think, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, as much as a, a road playoff game can feel like it, it feels as co- close to a coin flip. And considering the Giants' season, that's not a bad spot to be in here uh, this week. First playoff appearance going back to uh, 2016. Uh, you know, a little. You know, this is the time of the year. It's the, the crazy season uh, in the NFL with uh, Black Monday, I guess, advances into Sunday night now with all the coaching changes. We saw the news earlier today that uh, the Panthers have requested an interview with uh, Mike Kafka coming forward. Uh, how much buzz are you hearing around uh, the Giants' OC here after the, this first season in charge of the Giants' offense? Yeah, I think you hear a little bit, not a ton. He's not exactly uh, overflowing with, like, you know, personality, he's very reserved, at least with us. Uh, you know, it's not something you see, but he certainly, I mean, you talk to guys and you see he's a, he's a, he's a smart guy, and they've done a good job offensively being very efficient and making the most kind of what they have. So um, I, there's, there's this, I, I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but uh, whenever you get a chance and you get to go and sit in front of an owner and at least one or two, Interviews, maybe he gets. If they get mm-hmm. another one somewhere else, uh, you never know. So it'll be something to kind of monitor here moving forward with the Giants. And I, I think, Jordan, I believe this was your tweet I was uh, reading uh, last night or, or whenever it was. Uh, you were saying that, you know, based on your dealings with Wink Martindale uh, this season, what the Giants' defense has done and, you know, his level of how personal he is and how much the guys seem to like him in the locker room. Yeah, for sure. But, like, do you think he's like he feels like a defensive coordinator just how he goes about it, but does it feel like he's a guy that, that could be in the mix for some of these interview slots? Yeah, I mean, look, to me, and I look at him as like, that's the guy you, I could see more as a head coach hmm. of leading a group of men. I mean, I've been very impressed with just the way he handles himself. Um, his composure is unbelievable. And, you know, he says he owes it to the person, all the players love him. And I, I'm, I was really impressed on how he operates. And he's like, you know, he's the defensive head coach. He's like, that's every team has that, you know, when you have an offensive coach or whatever it is, 
the you hire the other guy on the other side of the ball to pretty much run things, and that's that's kind of Wink Martindale's role here. So uh, the problem is, and you see him be like, okay, he seems to fit more of that leader, you know, uh, oversee everything kind of guy. Have your composure, be out there, be the front face of a franchise. But then it's just such an offensive league that it's it's a lot harder for defensive guys to get that opportunity these days. And Wing Martindale's seeing that. And uh, he, he's made it well known that he would love that opportunity, but I'm not sure that's going to come this year either. Yeah, it seems like every year more and more of the head coaching jobs, you're right, Jordan, are going to, you know, it, it's the young up, up, start, you know, offensive coordinator <laughs> types. And yeah. those are the guys getting jobs and they get the hot shot. Young I mean, look at the Carolina list. Yeah. Look at the list of Carolinas put together. It's like Steve Wilkes, who's the, the holdover interim coach and all offensive guys. Yeah. So. And that's just, uh, that's just the way it is. You know, it started with the the Rams and, you know, they win the Super Bowl out of it and it's the whole offshoot off that. And it's, it's between that and the Shanahan tree. It's becoming the, essentially the whole league uh, right now, and it's working in, in a lot of places. So I guess that's why you, you keep looking at that. But you know, so that stuff that it can sit in the background here that you can't officially do interviews with these guys till uh, like next week anyway. So the, the, there's not a big uh, deal about that right now. Now, last week the the Giants clearly acted as last week was the bye week. Does that do you think that felt like the right thing? At the time, my, my sense is it made sense. You, you got guys that are banged up. You, you might as well rest them because you, you, you can't really change what this week's going to be, even if you'd won last week. Yeah, I've never seen a team want to turn down, like, essentially a bye week. So, uh, you know, we you, you might hear arguments that people say you should play the guys, but, like, uh, what's the downside of you having a bye week? Right. Right? Uh, I, I I would want my guys to have a bye week. I would want Saquon Barkley, who's played the most snaps out of any running back in the in the NFL this season, just take take another week of rest. Uh, the Giants certainly use that, and um, why not? So now they get an opportunity to come back off a week of rest, and here we go. Yeah. Nobody says following the bye week, oh, they lost momentum. You know, like no, it's, it's a bye week. You use it. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say this. Like, if you were going to rest Saquon, and he was the the guy that made the most sense to rest, like it would be crazy to have Daniel Jones out there without Saquon. And if those two guys aren't in, why should anybody else be in? Like, what's the what's the point at that point if you're if those two guys aren't in the game? But you know, it exactly. Also, it, it also exactly. allows mainly okay, you get a fresher Saquon, which is good. The majority of guys I think we're talking about are the defensive guys. Leonard Williams misses last week. Adoree Jackson, you know, fingers crossed, is back this week. Xavier McKinney another week to get better. Who knows where they're at with Aziz Ojolari? What, what are you hearing about the whole group? Like, uh, do the Giants have a chance to you know have the whole band back together on defense this week? I think so. I think it's possible. I mean, Dory Jackson's practiced the last two weeks. Usually, you know, once you start practicing, you're pretty close to returning. Uh, so, but he wasn't overly confident. He, I, I, I think, and this is just sort of guessing here because it was hard to tell that he just didn't want to show his cards after the game the other day mm-hmm. and say, yeah, I'm definitely playing. I'm definitely playing. But look, this uh, could be their last game of the year. I, I, I would be surprised if he's not out there after this is his now third week of practicing in some way, shape or form. So uh, yeah, I think we're going to see him. Ojolari was more rested for that last game he had that ankle injury earlier. He played a little bit the, the, the week before. Mm-hmm. And then Leonard Williams has proven to be a tough guy and played through things throughout his career. He actually had to miss the game prior to this season. So uh, I'd be surprised if Leonard Williams 
it would have to be a situation where they just didn't clear him to play, which I don't really see happening. Yeah, and then somebody would have to tell Leonard Williams that, and I, I don't wish to be that person if you had to go tell him he's not going to play in a playoff game this week. Is Jordan Renata's first like, career playoff game in eight yeah, years? Exactly. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, yeah. Iron Man in the middle of the defensive line for almost a decade. Yeah, here's a playoff game uh, you can watch on the sideline. Yeah, good luck with all that. Uh, but <laughs> Jordan Renata, ESPN Giants reporter, is our guest. You know, the main interesting one is Adori because he had been playing great in, in my mind before he got hurt. Now, now he's closing on what? It's six weeks, two months since he's played. Now you're coming back, and the other team has the best ride receiver in football when you're looking at, at Jefferson. How, how do you think, you yeah. know, speaking of Wink Martindale, how, how do you how do you work all that together? Like in another week, you toss a Dory and say, all right, go get him. How, how do you do that if you haven't played football here in two months? Yeah, that's going to be tough. I mean, but how do you do that with, uh, you know, uh, anyone else on the roster, right? I mean, hey, go guard Justin Jefferson. You know, yeah. Fabian Moreau, go guard Justin Jefferson. Nick McLeod, go guard Justin Jefferson. I mean, <laughs> the guy's so good that you're just not going to be able to guard him one-on-one no matter who it is. So you don't provide help, you need pass rush. And you go back and look at that game, Minnesota tried to hit a couple big plays. They missed them. They had a punt, and they did it on third and short a couple times. And one of them, Jefferson, was open. Uh, Cousin just wasn't able to make that throw. Like, that's what it's going to come down to. Can the Giants get enough pressure to force Kirk Cousins not to be able to make the throws, mm-hmm. and make a lot, which will then allow Justin Jefferson to make those big plays? If they can, they have a chance. If they don't get that pressure, they're not, they're still won't be able to hold up on the back end against guys like Justin Jefferson, DJ Hawkinson, Adam Thielen. I mean, it's a good group. Uh, and Dalvin Cook, even out of the backfield, is a pretty good receiver. So there's a lot of matchups for Minnesota to take advantage of. The only way to sort of even that out is to rush the passer. So they're going to need a big game from Kayvon Thibodeau, Zizo Gilardi, Leonard Williams, uh, and Dexter Lawrence for sure. Yeah, Dex- Dexter Lawrence. I mean, the, the Vikings were playing, you know, backups middle of the line due to injury during that game uh, a month ago, and uh, he had one of the best pass rushing games of his career. He was causing yeah. ha- havoc in that game, but which brings us to that game. I think that's actually the biggest thing in this game is if their center plays uh, Garrett yeah. Bradbury. Oh, I think that's actually going to determine on which way I want to go with a pick in this game. I keep going back and forth in my head. Which is wild. I, I can't think of the last time we, we you, you're going into a playoff game. You're like, All right, yeah. is the center available? But you're Who's right. the center? Yeah. Who is your backup center? But Dexter Lawrence was unbelievable. Uh, that game, and then obviously Jefferson had a huge catch on the last drive, which set up the... Part of the problem is it's their third-string center. Their second-string <laughs> center is out now, too. So that's even more of a reason why they need him. Right now you're talking about a third-string center. And uh, nobody wants to be talking about that complete. Like, the Niners can talk about a third-string quarterback. Like, the, re- the roster is so good, they can talk about whatever they want. But the, the Vikings don't want to talk about a, a third-string center. Which brings us back to that Vikings game. Like... The Giants, it felt like, and it's one of the few times I say this all year, Jordan, it felt like the Giants lost that game. It felt like they should yeah. like they should have won the game. The game was decided on Giants' mistakes as opposed to other stuff. Is that the feeling you're getting from within the Giants' locker room? They're like, yeah, we went there. We were the better team in that game, and you know, if we hadn't screwed it up, we, we win the game. It's more on the Giants than what the Vikings did. Absolutely. I think you hear, like, you know, we can't make those miscues. We can't make those errors that we did late in that game. And and I agree with you because think about it. Fourth quarter alone, they had a blocked punt, they allowed 
a drop interception, which kind of we thought was an interception by Cordell Flop, but he didn't corral it to hit the ground. Mm-hmm. They threw an interception, and then they had some key drops, namely Richie James had a monster drop in that game, right? All of that, they still tied it and lost as time expired. But was those are the kind of games they've won all year. They haven't. Now, I know you, I heard you mention at the beginning, you know, one-score games, that's what the Vikings do. These two teams, first and second in the NFL and having won one-score games this season. 11-0 and for Minnesota. Giants were like 9-4-1, and I think it is. Yeah, something like that. And, hey, it should make for a good watch, I guess, on Sunday. Like, if it's not going to be a one-score game, they're going to fool me for this game. And, I, yeah. you know, I don't know. This won't, shouldn't, or who knows, have an effect on the game. But uh, what what was your view on the Giants' locker room uh, this week coming out of all everything involving DeMar Hamlin in, in Buffalo? Because, obviously, you know, coaching staff and a lot of the players have such significant uh, Buffalo ties. What was the emotional level yeah. like in the Giants locker room this week around all that? And how do you see that continuing forward at this point? I think it was a tough week for a lot of guys in there. I mean, I met, I talked to uh, Nick McLeod, who was a cornerback who was in the you know DB room with Demar Hamlin last year in Buffalo, uh, and they're tight. He told us Wednesday's practice was the toughest practice he's ever had to go through because all he kept doing was thinking about his buddy and mm-hmm. the whole situation. And, look, once guys started getting news that he was doing better, I mean, I was even there. Nick McLeod lockers next to Isaiah Hodgins, who was also a wide receiver in Buffalo mm-hmm. up until midway through this year. They were at one point during the week, I think it was Friday, actually, uh, FaceTiming with DeMar Hamlin, and you could see how excited they were just to see him. I mean, it literally was probably 30 seconds of the two of them just yelling at the phone, <laughs> you know, and just being super excited. I don't even think they, they had a conversation with him. And the way Nick McLeod said, he just wanted to see his buddy's face. So just to have that and to know that he's doing better, I think is a relief for a lot of these guys and has let them try to go back to playing football without, you know, the thoughts that came in of like, man, these are the risks that kind of come with the, the sport. Like, Players, and this is sort of how they compartmentalize for the most part from talking to them over the years, they prefer just to put these things out of their mind and just go back in there. It's it's the same concept with concussions. Think about it. Like They just want to win and play that they're willing to almost just ignore it during games and and stuff like that. And they're trying to get back in game with concussions, even though they know Mm -hmm. that long-term they're better off you know, playing it on the, the side of caution. But that's that's why why these guys play the game and how they play the game and how they're able to be successful and play this game that is inherently dangerous, right? Uh, yeah, that is a fact. And, you know, obviously the, what happened with DeMar last Monday, it's the thing that took it a step further that made them all really, you know, stop in their tracks in a way that uh, never had to before with a guy that who really knew DeMar Hamlin's name before last Monday. It's not it's not a very long list, and it's amazing to see how it's uh, in many ways uh, united the, the entire league, uh, certainly behind uh, yeah. him and uh, – Thankfully, uh, to this point, is great recovery. All right, Jordan, uh, good stuff as always. We'll, we'll certainly be paying attention to everything you got this week with uh, the game, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thanks a lot. You got it, man. Here's my prediction. It'll be a one-score game, all right? All there right. we go. I'm going uh, out on a limb. You are as far out on the fence as you could possibly be on that one with two teams that play nothing but. All right, Jordan on ESPN Giants reporter, Giants and Vikings coming up uh, this Sunday in the 430 slot. On Fox, looking forward to that. We'll take a break, get back on time. Rolling along after this in an hour brought to you by William Matar. 
Let me give William Matar a call at 444-4444. Back after this, it's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.